Lupus LA would like to thank our generous sponsors for their support of the Your Story, Our Fight podcast. Emerge Business Solutions serves as a personal and professional CFO for clients across a wide spectrum of industries. They handle financial affairs with integrity and transparency. Gemini Beauty believes in beauty for a cause, and in their case, the cause is lupus. The team at Gemini is changing the skincare game for good. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lupus LA podcast, Your Story, Our Fight. I'm your host, Adam Selkowitz. As always, thank you very much to our sponsors. This is a big show. This is our second season finale. It's our 50th episode, uh, and I am really um, inspired by what we've accomplished in the last two years and super excited to bring you today's guest because we've we've saved him as our season finale because I think he's incredibly, incredibly dynamic and inspirational, and I'm excited to introduce you to him. His name is Emmett Henderson III, and uh, he definitely wins the award for most lupus memorabilia behind him. I think I, I think that that is a one of the best setups I've seen for sure. We're going to get a little more Lupus LA orange in the background. That's going to be my mission. But uh, but Emmett is a fierce advocate for lupus patients. He started the Male Lupus Warriors Corporation and has an incredible story to share um, himself and, and really about uh, men with lupus. And so that's obviously near and dear to my heart. And so I think it's really appropriate that on our season finale, we're talking about men with lupus. So after my long introduction, Emmett, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate you having me. So tell me, Emmett, give me your, give me your lupus story. Give me the, you know, I know you were diagnosed a long time ago. So run me through kind of the beginning. That's where I always like to start. Um, and, and who was Emmett before lupus and then, and then how did it happen? Well, who Emmett was in 1980, when symptoms started happening, it was just a little kid just trying to have fun in life and run around a playground. But I was so restricted on that because of how I felt. And what I mean by that is I had a lot of fe- high fevers and face rash, body rashes at the time that it made me feel so tired and fatigued that I felt like I couldn't keep up with the other little kids. So when I went to the doctors to get checked out for it, the doctors had no explanation on what it was either. They ended up taking a piece of chunk out of my arm to do, you know, a biopsy on it and still came up with nothing. So I ended up getting diagnosed with fevers and rashes of unknown origin at that time. So my parents knew that it was something that was slowing me down, but wasn't something that kept me down. So we kept on going as best we can to deal with it at the time. I dealt with that for over 15 years. Then in 1995... From the rashes to the fevers included now joint pains. And Adam, these joint pains were so bad to where I literally thought something was broken when I first encountered it in my wrist. The wrist was so bad where I was walking around as a manager of my company with my hand in my other hand, you know, holding it, trying to figure out what's going on to ease the pain. But then I finally went to the emergency room and with the symptoms that I complained about in regards to joint pains, not able to move, the only thing that they did was x-rays. Unfortunately, the x-rays on their end showed nothing wrong. So I got dismissed saying, you know, go home, take some painkillers, we'll prescribe you some Tylenol and uh, throw some heat or, or ice pack on it. So that was it. 
Then maybe not even a couple weeks later, the same thing with the shoulder. I couldn't move my shoulder hard to move. I went in again. Unfortunately, I got dismissed again. So Adam, there was no third time after that, man. It was like after hearing, you know, nothing as we see that we can do about it, but I am having these pains. And now I'm kind of embarrassed. I'm a young man, a healthy, strong looking man. And I'm going- How in old were you at the time? I was 25. How old were you? I was 25. 25. And, and to me, that's kind of embarrassing because it's like, I'm telling them something's wrong, but they're telling me nothing's wrong. So I stopped going. And I dealt with that for another two years, <laughs> two years of going through the joint pains where the pain shifted now to my lower back. From that point, I was like, okay, they got to find something wrong. There's no joint back there. What is wrong now? And mm-hmm. they, the protocol for them now is that let's draw blood to see what's going on. When they drew blood, that changed everything. That made <laughs> a big difference. I walked into urgent care one day from work. I never saw work again to a year and a half with everything going on. So that was the wild beginning of how this all started. What were you doing at the time? What was your job? I was a manager of an auto dealership working for Nissan as a service manager. I was Mm -hmm. young and being a person of color at that time in 95, I felt like I had a lot to prove. So being sick was not an option for me. Being mm-hmm. sick and not you know, giving the, you know, the thought that I can't do my job was not anything I wanted to put out there. So I kind of hid as many symptoms as I could up until, again, I was walking with a hunch over because of the lower back pain that I had. And I was basically had no choice but to go in and get checked. So you went. Uh, so urgent care, did they tell you you had lupus or they said, hey, this this blood test, you need to go see a rheumatologist? No, they said because of their blood test, eight hours later, we don't know what's wrong. We're going to have to take you to the hospital. That's where that went. Then Mm -hmm. about 30 to 40 days of, okay, I think we need to have you see a rheumatologist. We still don't know what's wrong. And that's (laughs) where rheumatologists came in and saw me. And the words that I heard from that point were something I never expected, that I have a disease that was rare for my age, my ethnicity, and my gender. And at that point, I still didn't know what she was talking about. I didn't know anything about diseases, autoimmune diseases at that. But she told me that she thinks that I have a rare disease for men called systemic lupus. Mm -hmm. I did not, never heard that term before, did not know what it was. I asked the doctor, can I, is this something that I can live with? She said, yes. All anxieties drop because as long as I can live with it, I'll be fine is what I thought. Mm-hmm. Just like that. Yeah. <laughs> I heard I heard much the same thing in 1987. So uh, when I was diagnosed at 16. So we're we're you know, that's a, that's a different time and a uh, I hope different experience now um, <clears throat> for people getting diagnosed with lupus, particularly men, I think. Yeah. You know, that's that's one of the things I really want to talk about here. So when you're diagnosed with a disease that affects 90% women, what what goes through your head about that aspect of it? And what 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 do you have to sort of cope with when you get that diagnosis as a man? Because this next phrase I had to hear and deal with, I had to take it a whole different route. And that phrase was, it's a woman's disease. 
And hearing that for me was straight denial. I mean, again, Adam, I'm 25 years old, person of color. I'm a manager of my organization. I had a lot of respect for my employees that followed me that were a lot older than me. So for me to be told that I have a debilitating disease that could change the way I live, that is a woman's disease, I I was in denial. And I think that was only because I wasn't educated on what lupus was. So my Mm -hmm. first instinct was, as long as I can live with it, I'll be okay. That's what it was. So the denial part was strong because I felt like I had so much in place at my age and at at doing what I was doing to where this is just an obstacle in the road that I'm going to get over. But yet I never knew the severity of what was coming. Did you start treatment at that point? I did only on medication. And I, because of my being diagnosed in 95 with SLE and lupus nephritis, I was already in stage three kidney failure, and that was the pains in my lower back. So I went home with about 28 individual pills all at one time. So that was the regiment that I had started, and it, it was just a world of change just with medication. So you felt better. Your, did your kidneys improve from that point forward? Not more of improved, but more maintained. The, mm-hmm. they, they, they had my GFR rate. They had all my readings. So a month after with all the medication with side effects, at least my kidney function kind of maintained. Mm-hmm. And how long did that go on for how, once you sort of got in your balance mode? At least a couple years of medication, adding in chemotherapy, adding in radiation therapy, also with it, also adding in a kidney biopsy at that time, and then dealing with other ailments, what lupus brought on. And I know this ended up with about 10 years ago, you had a kidney transplant. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My, my kidneys maintained up until 2012. In 2012, I was told I had zero kidney function and I needed to go to dialysis. So I did peritoneal dialysis until I was blessed 14 months later with a kidney transplant. And what did it, so tell me about day before kidney transplant, day after kidney transplant. What's the difference? A, a world, <laughs> a world of difference from knowing what I was dealing with being on dialysis for that long and then getting a kidney transplant, knowing that I would probably only be dialysized maybe a few more days until they see how my kidney is. The excitement, the anxiety was all there because I knew that I was going to be able to get back to a full, strong mode of what I was prior. And and during this time, after you were out of work for a year, did you go back to the same career and same? Give me your give me your your work trajectory. Yeah. With every organ organ involvement that I had with lupus, the one thing I did maintain was my work. And that was because I was so, no, you know, again, ahead of my time that I felt at my age of what I was doing, I needed to maintain that. So in addition to keeping the illness away from everybody, I maintained my grounds as a manager, kept my position, kept everything going. I did have to take time off for surgeries, for doctor's times off of being sick, but none of that jeopardized my job because of the job that I did for them. I, I was a good employee. I kept. I was kept until everything went down in 2019 with another diagnosis, and that unfortunately ended my career. A, a different diagnosis than lupus. 
should I say, an added on diagnosis of what was going on where lupus affected my brain. So I was doing, I I was having major brain headaches and, and migraines where they did an MRI. And a neurologist had told me that the patterns that they had seen in my brain looks as if it was caused from immunosuppressive medication and long-term of having lupus. Hmm. And so that's put you, put you out of work, unfortunately. It did because of the medications to ease my migraine. I couldn't be involved in heavy machinery, nor my judgment on being a manager could have been questioned. So it, yeah, it took me out of work. So I want to take a quick break because that to me is a, is, a, is, a, is a good place to stop because I think what's taken over from the career side is this new career that you've developed as, I, I, I almost want to say chief male lupus warrior. In the, in, I mean, you're, <laughs> you're everywhere and it's, uh, it's super impressive. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with more from Emmett Henderson III. Please visit our online store at lupusla.org. By purchasing Lupus LA products, you are directly supporting lupus patients and their families. For more information, visit lupusla.org. We are back on the Lupus LA podcast, Your Story, Our Fight, and we are talking uh, about Emmett Henderson III's fight against lupus, and it is it is certainly a battle. I, I want to go back before we talk about your advocacy do you think because you're a man with lupus that that affected you in any way in terms of who you told about your lupus and who you, before you became an advocate, you know, did that, did that weigh on you? Absolutely. Absolutely. From day one of being diagnosed and telling it was a woman's disease. And again, the, the, the statue that, that I had had at that time for myself, it didn't match. It was, I was doing everything that a man should be doing. You know, I own my own property at a young age. I'm raising my own kids. I have my own vehicle and I'm a manager of my company making really good money at that time in 1995. So to be told that I had now will be slowed down in my career, slowed down in everything I do because of this debilitating disease, I had a fight, but also I knew that this fight wouldn't be understood by anybody else. If somebody was to ask me, so what did the doctor say? I didn't know what lupus was, so I didn't know how to explain it. And I sure wasn't going to say it was a woman's disease, I was told. So I played it down as best as I could. It only came to my parents and my sister to start, and then my brothers, to where this is actually what they're saying. And keep in mind that in the mid-90s, 95, Google wasn't around for me to you know, do the research mm-hmm. on, nor was that I could tell my parents, you know, just Google it and you'll see all about it. it. It couldn't, nor did it come from me because I wasn't educated on it either. So it was tough, man. It was very tough. And then going to work, whatever I had to miss work for is what I had told them what the problem was. Oh, so Emmett, what's wrong today? Oh, they had to look at joint pains that I was having in my wrist. Oh, what's going on today? Well, my liver numbers were elevated. So it was never the cause lupus, right. it was just the organ that was involved. Okay. So tell me the, the about the change, about the transition from um, quiet lupus warrior to very loud lupus warrior. 
Well, again, in 2019, when I was told that my career ended, that was really hard for me. And because, again, I maintained so long. And now you're telling me that I fought this disease for so long to where now this same disease is taking me out of what I love to do. And that was maintain a man, as a manager and as having good work ethics. And so when that happened, you know, Adam, I, I had to realize, okay, I need to keep myself busy for one. That's the person I am. Two, I need to get back at this illness that's debilitated me for so long. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to speak about it. And I am going to encourage people that with lupus, you can still thrive and move on. I just had no idea the impact I was going to make as a male lupus warrior. When I knew that men was rare and having this, it's rare in men to have this disease. I also found out that it's also rare for men speaking up on this disease. So when I decided to join the communities of lupus and autoimmune diseases, it was full of women advocating, full of women organizations, because that's what the majority of the statistics are with these illnesses. And so I decided to be a voice. And when I did, again, I just didn't realize the impact I was going to have. So tell me a little bit about that impact. Give me, give me kind of Give me the statistics for Male Lupus Warriors Corp. Since I've been, you know, highly involved in advocating, I've spoken in countries around the world. I've traveled to states all over the United States speaking and outside the country speaking in regards to not just lupus, but men with lupus and men's mental health. I've been on a lot of platforms from men's health to transplant platforms, lupus platforms, mental health platforms, survival platforms, just unique stories. I've, you know, I've been involved with all of it and I'm continuing it because I'm making a difference in individuals. And that is my main goal, to make the difference in individuals, letting know that there's hope and that they're not alone in this fight with anything that you're going through. Amazing. I, you know, it's funny when we were diagnosed, if there was somebody like you or even like me with this podcast, you know, it would have been a whole, a whole different experience. So tell me how, give me an example of an impact that you've made with an individual person. Well, you said it right there. First of all, I wish in the nineties and two thousands, there was organizations out there that I could turn to and say, Hey brother, how is it going through this, going through that? And there isn't. There wasn't, should I say. Fast mm -hmm. forward today, there's organizations like ours now that can make that impact on somebody's life. And a good example is one that I made on another young man. You know, this young man has lupus as well, and he praises me for speaking out on it because all he was doing at this time is listening. Now he is speaking up because he felt that I had given him that voice that if I can do it and been through all of the you know ailments that I've been through with my lupus and still standing strong today and advocating and speaking up, that he can do it too. And to me right there, that just, that's my paycheck right there instead of my work mm -hmm. ethic now. That is my goal. That is what God's gift to me that I was able to pass on that came back to me again. Tell me, the how that makes you feel like how that how that really um 
you know, that you've turned this mountain into uh, something you conquered? You know, Adam, it's it's the best feeling in the world. I mean, it made everything that I had been through prior to advocating worth it. All the pain, all the hospital stays, all the surgeries, all of we don't know what's going to happen, all of those, it's all worth it now, knowing that I am still here today and I'm able to pass this on. What One of the biggest affirmations that I, that I say to myself and I created is I turn my pain into power. And that's exactly what I mean by it. Through everything that I've been through, I was actually given the power of hope to a lot of people. Terrific. What What are some of the services that I know you provide to to your followers and your um, and 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 what are some of the collaborations you have? Wow, collaborations are <laughs> off the chart. I, I have a lot of lupus organizations that I, I've done work with, and whether it's podcasts, whether it's uh, social media live events, whether it's appearing at their events. I, it's just so many to name. A lot of sponsorships that I have from autoimmune organizations. I'm involved with a few organizations where I am a board member. Um, I also host their support group meetings. Um, I, I'm, I'm just so involved. For instance, this weekend, I'm a board member of the Gamma Pyro Lupus Sister Sororities, where I'll be traveling to Las Vegas to participate in the Lupus Walk there. Uh, I've done Lupus Walk in Atlanta. I've traveled to a lot of different places just being involved with everything. And again, that is the representation from a male-based organization where the majority are women. Are you tell me a little bit about the support the the support groups because I know um, Lupus LA is working to help promote some of your support groups as well and tell me what a male support group feels like um, for those men out there who have lupus who haven't yet gone to one. It feels inviting, definitely inviting, because of the fact that when we get together, as as my partner and I, which his name is Dion Langley, we created a outside group called the Lupus Dream Team, two males from two different coasts that are talking about lupus and advocating, where we put together a male-only support group that I haven't seen anyone else do, or again, wasn't there when I was looking for it. So, and what we offer in this group, first of all, is a safe space with no judgment at all. Anybody with lupus that feels that they wanna be heard, or if they just wanna listen, they can come and join us. It got to a point where we definitely started off with a lot of listeners. People just wanted to have an ear and we were that ear and we were speaking so they can hear us as well. Now we fast forward to few meetings in, these guys are being so vocal to where it is definitely not a support group where we're talking about our lows, but we're talking about our wins. We're talking about how we are thriving, just because we were told we have this illness called lupus and what we're doing today. And this win could be as simple as maintaining a full-time job. It could be as maintaining and raising a family. It could be some of these things that put doubt that you may want, that you may heard of just because you have lupus. So it's one of my biggest priorities to have and deal with every single month. Terrific. I, I, I would encourage everybody to check our website, check, um, Emmett's sites and and find out if you're a male with lupus, it's really worth uh, exploring. And I think um, we are a small group, but a mighty group. And um, 
you know, I, I think that's really valuable. Now I know you are, are your health again, you're struggling a little bit, uh, with the kidney issues. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. As of, uh, July 22, I got back from Africa from doing awareness in that country. And on my hike up to Mount Kilimanjaro, I devo- developed pulmonary edema in my lungs. And so that kind of had to cancel that complete trip up the mountain. But when I got back to the States, assuming I was just in lung failure, unfortunately, I was also in kidney failure for the second time. And so I am now uh, doing home hemodialysis. And that is where my option is right now. I am at home performing that five days a week, five hours a day. But, you know, my transplant is coming. I am on the transplant list. I am very hopeful it's coming. It came to me in 2013. It'll come to me again soon. But best thing I can do is maintain what I'm doing, keep my hope going and stay strong. And and that's exactly what I'm doing today. Well, we are all behind you 100%. And, I, you know, I think we chose this episode as our, our last for the season this year because I do I knew this was going to be uh, a powerful example of what you can accomplish um, by sharing your story, by being a part of the solution, um, by putting your um, – illness on display. And I admire you for that. I send you all of our best wishes to uh, get a kidney quickly and, and get you back on back on track or back off dialysis, I should say. Uh, but Emmer, Emmett, um, you, you are the true um, ideal male uh, advocate and advocate in general for for lupus patients and i want to thank you for all your hard work and for joining the podcast today i really appreciate you adam and thank you for having me on behalf of the entire team at lupus la we thank you for joining the your story our fight podcast please tune in spread the word and come back for more inspiring lupus stories i'm your host adam selkowitz wishing you good health and to always remember your story is our fight.